0: Embedded in the Market, sponsored by Tokyo.
1: Hi there, and welcome to Embedded in the Market, our pilot broadcast. I'm Frank Robledano, or for you English speakers, Robledano. I'm the content guy here at Tokyo. And today we'll be speaking with our VP of Sales, Michael Pierce. Michael came to us a few months ago. He came from FinTech OS, before that at Mambu. And he knows a lot about the topic of embedded finance. Good morning, Michael. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what embedded finance actually is? Maybe an example they can relate to. What is embedded finance? But well, I'll try to make it as
0: simple as possible. Uh, so,
1: fundamentally,
0: embedded finance is not something new. It's been around historically for probably as long as we've had cards, transactions, so on and so forth. However, the reason it's gained a lot of popularity and momentum is it's changing and it's evolving into a new phase of embedded finance and or in finance in general. And fundamentally, what it is is the placement of financial products in non-financial experiences or journeys overall. So, as an example, you might find that you now can go to your local grocery store and use one of their own checkout methods as a way to finance your transaction or potentially you might be able to have a type of card that has a top-up functionality which actually could act as your brand but actually has nothing to do with your bank it's a completely different separate brand from one of these aspects so fundamentally this is a way to allow consumers and businesses to still have the experience of banking which is very important and will never really be going away but gain and remain a lot more loyal to the brands they like and love
1: and trust. Okay. So um, the, the thing is that Tokyo tends to work not in the consumer space. We tend to work more in the corporate space, what we call corporate embedded finance. Some people call it B2B, business-to-business embedded finance. What, uh, what sort of form does that take? Yeah. So I'll answer that in a couple of ways,
0: actually, because I think we're, as an industry, moving towards a very new shift, which is allowing for corporate embedded finance to start taking more of a center stage than consumer embedded finance. I think we saw two, three years ago, you know, the rise of buy now, pay later, and the rise of embedded lending for consumers. And there was a lot of um, great traction with the likes of companies of Klarna and other buy now, pay later providers. However, with recent affordability concerns, credit you know, risk scoring issues and fraud detection and so on, I think what we're finding is that the consumer is no longer uh, adopting to that as much as possible. And it's actually now more being taken advantage of from corporates and companies, as that's an area that's been untapped um, from an embedded finance perspective. Now, with that said, at Tokyo, I can imagine what we're seeing is the reason for corporates to be going with us is effectively various different types of embedded lending or embedded financing type propositions. So one of the most common um, use cases I could see in the corporate space is, you know, inventory financing, workflow, cash flow management solutions. Now, these have always existed with banks, right? So you, you have an inventory financing loan, you'll have a working capital loan. The difference is how businesses can consume those products effectively from where they're able to get them to begin with and the speed at which they become available for them to use and utilize. And thirdly, the data that's available and now in the market for businesses to get more personalized financial
1: loans and products and services, as an example. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So then you made mention of that it's becoming increasingly important in the market. Why? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that now embedded finance is moving more towards the corporate sphere? What 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 has changed, or what is What is becoming more important to To companies in the space? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think a lot of the ways to answer
0: that would be you know, a couple of different factors. So one, I think, economically, um, as we move into maybe more tighter times from an economic perspective. Uh, cash flow, for example, and utilization of cash is going to become more prominent and more important um, than it has been before. Now, what that means is as much as cash is available, it should be best put to work, whether that's in a savings, whether that's in some kind of a transaction product, whether that's actually in a lending product. um, That's becoming a lot more analyzed overall right now is the availability of this. I think, secondly, um, the tightening of effectively workforce or effectively the ability for products and services to then be created um, and launched and having more innovations coming to light um requires more innovative ways of being able to launch financial products and services which consume financial products and services so that kind of overall you know adjustment of innovation that comes from that is actually also fueling the drive for corporate the biggest, and and this is probably more concretely of an example than the previous two, I think personally, is a natural comp- competitive landscape erupting. I think um, historically there has been a very big wall between banking and non-banking. And I think that corporations are or businesses in general are trying to you know maximize profits, help maintain their their control as much as they can, and trying to optimize their costs and expenses. I think a lot of corporations have seen now the opportunity to increase their own revenues, increase their own market share, gain more of their end customer, whether that's a business or a consumer, um, by offering and controlling more of the financial aspect of their business. And so that fundamentally is creating more awareness and creating more traction for you know businesses to start offering workflow capital management solutions as an example for you know franchisees to be offering actual funding for their own friend you know various franchise networks to make sure that there can be things like exclusivity that's given and granted for in exchange for products and services and Having that be kind of conducted
1: with a financial product is important. But it certainly is a way to increase retention. It's a way to ensure that they get a bigger piece of the pot. So for companies then that are considering an embedded finance solution in order to fulfill one of those goals, a healthier business ecosystem or generate new revenue, explore new revenue streams, whatever. By adopting an embedded finance solution, what are some of the benefits that they enjoy? Like what what do they get out of it eventually? Apart from retaining their clients, apart from creating a safe space, so to speak, for their ecosystem, what what do, what else do they get out of it? I think
0: there's two things I would say they get out of this that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and we've seen this in the market already starting to emerge. One, they get resiliency and I think resiliency because um, as we've seen, markets can be very unpredictable and things are continually changing. Having a diversified way of not only managing your revenues, but also pivoting to what your consumers or customers are, are looking for is crucial for survival. And so I think resiliency is one of the most important um, factors from that perspective. And I think the the second one, which I think is a word we throw out there quite often, but we should be really understanding what this word is um is innovation and innovation is coming because we have known for many years that large brands like Apple and Amazon and others will start offering more of the financial journey Now there's even you know talk of Twitter or X entering into the you know financial space to capture more of their financial life for their you know users. I think um, that level of innovation, coupled with the rise of some other trends like AI and predictability around that aspect, is going to be very important. So, resiliency and yeah, innovation would be the two main benefits of companies that are
1: allowing themselves to to pivot. From a content perspective, I'm often uh, wary of using the hackneyed term innovation just because it's so overused it in some ways, um, especially when you see, you know, you just mentioned Apple, when Apple's putting uh, USB-C ports on their phones, which have been around since, you know, the age of the dinosaur. But but genuine innovation in a space is obviously a very exciting thing. What is What, what are some of the ways that, that that you see innovation occurring in the space? Well, I'm, I'm biased, um, naturally,
0: because we're... Well, I've spent you know 14 years in banking, and in the past eight years in in banking technology, mainly in you know startups that have brought innovation to either financial institutions or non-financial institutions. Mm-hmm. So my perspective, uh, where I see the most innovation, comes from the technology being used for these businesses or corporations um, in their journey to begin launching these types of embedded finance products. Um, but beyond that, I Think you know we've seen lots of creative things in this market as well when it comes to innovation. So ways of you know building predictability, forecasting for affordability of of, of lending, um, you know different types of financial solutions that are more hyper personalized and tailored to the actual end user, whether that's a consumer or a business is irrelevant. Um, but I think overall it's kind of summarized into. Financial services and products are no longer just your standard deposit account, you know, transaction lending product or so on, but they're now becoming a mix of those underlying principles overlaid with the kind of hyper personalized experiences that is tailored for you. So you know that your financial, you know, product really understands you. Your your brand that you're trying to stay loyal to or work with. Um, not only can give you a great product or service, but if you're in a struggle financially, there's some cool innovative products that are there so that's the area of innovation now that all requires technology right that requires you know very agile ways of working that requires um scalable technology that also requires the use of uh, various different data points and access to various you know data sets that will be existing, which again requires a very robust and interesting set of technology
1: to use and um you know i'd love to i'd love to take a moment and laud um tokyo and how awesome it is to uh help companies do that but you know work, working the company i mean we're a, we are a uh, we're an embedded finance platform People come to us in order to build things that they can use in their own ecosystem. And that's fine. But what constantly astounds me is something that you pointed to or alluded to, which is the fact that, you know, just the very concept of digitalization or digitization, depending on the project we're talking about, is sometimes still necessary. I mean, it's 2023 and there are still there are still companies out there. We're not going to name names, obviously, but there are still companies out there that are working off of Excel spreadsheets and they're working off of paper and they're working off of stuff. And um, and things have gone so far beyond that, that it's it's uh, it's challenging for some companies to make that leap. So I can see how platforms like Tokyo or other others on the market are helping that along because there really is a lot of opportunity, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And you allude to a very good point, which I think is worth noting, uh, which we should definitely mention. Um, There's a new trend or wave of embedded finance that's that's coming. Um, and I think we're already seeing the emergence of this in a couple of different areas. So um, being at you know Tokyo for the past few months has also made me realize that not only is the platform we have positioned to capture this new change, um, but it's going to become more and more necessary. And so one of the things that we're you know seeing and I've seen kind of happening over the past two years, is previously to launch an embedded finance solution. You likely you know you have to deal with a licensing strategy of some sort, and so the fastest way to get that done was via a banking as a service provider, where you know having a great set of a you know feature functionalities from your banking as a service or bas provider was was going to give you the best result now what we're seeing is that journey is Still there, but it's more exciting, and it's actually taking more uh, traction for companies to move to their own licensing strategy. So we're seeing you know some names that we, we can't even mention right now that are very exciting actually taking the step towards obtaining their own license of sorts to to help gain more control themselves. So I think the this may be controversial. But I think the lessening dependency on full stack BASS providers and the increased dependency on, you know, solutions that are modular and can support their own licensing strategies is going to become the next wave. So, you know, that's where at Tokyo, seeing the platform we have tied together with a multi banking or multi BASS strategy so you can plug in. Either your core banking backend or your BAS solution and pick and choose which product comes from which to orchestrate your process flows and, and so on, um, is the next wave of embedded finance. And having one platform to aggregate, however your licensing or backend strategy actually is, will become increasingly important.
1: That's interesting because, I mean, for, for you folks out there who don't know, um, we're actually right now in, our, uh, in, in in the Tokyo office in Madrid, Spain. And um, we work with a variety of associations, and one of them, one of the larger finance associations here in Madrid. Uh, to them, the terms embedded finance, or in Spanish, finanzas uh, integradas, or what some people call finanzas embebidas, and BAS are interchangeable terms. That embedded finance is BAS, and BAS is embedded finance. Is, is that true? No. I think
0: bass is a way to deploy embedded finance, and I think that's a it is a common misconception and I think it's it's actually quite a, a more global um concern and issue because you know if you look at a couple of examples in the u s the the term rent a charter is very big, and that's effectively a banking a service solution um you could argue that some incumbent banks offer you know, an open API and there's confusion over open banking being a form of Bass, or in you know, the likes of Solaris, which has a great set of technology with a license behind it. And that's the brand that they have. Um, and these all together are delivering different parts of this, but fundamentally, I think that embedded finance is the concept, it's actually a really good point you raise, um, but
1: the vessel and the way and the mechanism to get there is very different. I think the big question is, why would a company choose to get into embedded finance now? What are the risks associated with embedded finance? How what, What's the downside? Because we don't want to paint everything as wine and roses. What do you think the risks are associated with embedded finance?
0: To categorically put that, I think first most important risk is regulation. So the impending um, you know we've, there's been a lot of rise in terms of fraud cases in various different propositions around the world um some neobanks that have had some issues and some lenders in terms of actual affordability checks and people saying who they are um i think overall that's driving a more scrutinized regulatory landscape meaning more regulators will become more skeptical of this kind of world the whole nature of a of a bass, or excuse me, embedded finance solution, is that it's almost like it's invisible. So you, as a consumer or a business, don't really understand or know you're being banked, even though you are being banked. Perfect example would be Uber. Uber, you take a you you ride the car with them. You're making a transaction with them, and you don't even pull out your debit card or car, or credit card. So there's a in that world that's acceptable because you know a transaction's occurring. But in the example of buy now, pay later, you know, we've seen lots of cases where the question of people being aware that they are actually taking out a loan has, you know, drew has caused concern or raised concern. And so I think there's a, a harmony or a balance that anyone or any business that's going to launch an embedded finance solution needs to find, and that's About making banking as invisible as possible, but without making it completely invisible Mm -hmm. that banks are realizing it. Mm So that's
1: one. What's the other one?
0: Well, I think it comes down to really just to kind of summarize it into not really knowing and understanding which financial product or service you want to operate Mm -hmm. and why. So, for example, there's a number of financial products you can start embedding in your experiences for your customers, your end users. And I think some would feel that a loan product, for example, might be fit for purpose, whereas actually they can capture the same kind of retention of customers or increase their revenues through offering a deposit product. So really intrinsically understanding how your consumers and users are actually going to be um, working with you, how they perceive your brand is the most important thing because you, for example, Everybody knows what Starbucks is or what they do and they provide, but actually you could classify Starbucks as being one of the largest banks in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the deposits they have with their card top-up programs and many other reasons as as an example. But would you go to Starbucks for a mortgage? I don't think so. So you'd have to understand the the type of product you'd like to launch to make sure that it gains traction. One of the biggest common mistakes uh, and risks I've seen Mm -hmm with embedded finance products is the exciting idea of launching something, getting all of that off the ground, you know, time, money, effort, technology, and then it not gaining traction and momentum to actually deliver the results that they would like to experience or see from a revenue perspective. And I've seen quite a lot of actual um, embedded finance solutions that have been paused or didn't gain mass market traction, even though they were the most innovative products that could have probably come out to the world. So I think timing and understanding your audience is, is key.
1: Sure, sure. I mean, that, but that, that's a big issue that affects all business. What I mean is, I mean, we just did a blog post um, that will be coming up next week, I think, where we talk about hyperfocus and its relation to embedded finance. And one of the big issues is, of course, market research. You can't just jump on a bandwagon, no matter what kind of business you have, and expect to be raking in the cash in two weeks. You have to do your homework. You have to get into a lot of market research. You have to be very, very clear sure. on what the needs of your customers are, what the needs of their end users are, and adjust appropriately. And, and you know, let's say it. Um, embedded finance might not be for everyone. I think that, you know, it is there, – there's something for everyone to – Exploit in the best sense of the word. Uh, I think that just about any company can derive benefit from embedded finance, but you know, you may not be at a point where you can do it. Uh, you you may need help to do it. It may not be the right time. That's it true. it may not be. Um, so you know, uh, maybe we can get into that the next time because we're going a little bit out of time. So uh, let's wrap it up. Thank you, Michael, for Thank joining you, us today. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next time, folks. Thanks for listening. Take care.